0: Welcome to the Well-Read Podcast, a bi-weekly discussion on books and reading. I'm Hallie. And I'm Anne. And we're librarians with the Beaufort County Library in South Carolina. And it is time for our summer 2017 book preview, but it is also our 50th episode. Congratulations, wow. Anne.
1: Congratulations. Yay. Did you ever think we'd make it so far? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we'd do it for a while. And yeah. I thought, I, I didn't think that it would be like... It wasn't working. Right. I just thought maybe other things would come up right. and we'd have to move on to other things and we'd lose the opportunity to spend time on right. this. But um, we've been lucky that yes. everyone's really encouraging of it. Yes. So we get to do it all the time. Just keep so, to
0: do it. Yeah. Keep being able to do it. And people listen. And that's yeah. Always that's amazing. I that's cool.
1: <laughs> That was more, I thought we would have fun and it would be good, but yeah. maybe we wouldn't get as much listener right, right. that we have. And so it wouldn't be worth it, the time right. to do it. But it's been great. So we thought what we might do before we do our summer
0: reading preview is just talk a little bit about the behind the scenes things of the podcast yeah. in case that's interesting to our listeners. First, we'll talk about just how we kind of put together the episodes, if, if that sounds good to you, Anne. Yeah. yeah. We have this ongoing list of topics either mm-hmm. that come from our heads or from listener suggestions mm-hmm. on a Google Doc. And what would you say, like two weeks before we're going to record maybe, we start talking about what are our next yeah. topics that we're going to cover.
1: Uh, we usually record two episodes at once. Mm-hmm. So sometimes we you can tell if we're sort of laughing because we just talked we just, about something. We have to pretend it was two weeks ago. <laughs> and it was actually an hour before. <laughs> uh, but that seem, it seems to work out pretty well that we yeah. do. So we record once every four weeks. Yeah. And, and Partly the reason we do that is because we actually work pretty far from each right. other. Yes. So we used to do every two weeks and then you'd have a two-hour driving right. for one of us right to to get to the other right. person's location so now um that's just cut knock out it too. out yeah. yeah so it's more work ahead of time right to get it ready, right but it's worth it yeah it's fun work yeah
0: i think originally we talked about wanting to be in the same room so it was like a conversation and right. eventually potentially moving to skype or something where we were in different locations right. but it's just sort of worked out that we like I think we like being in the same room yeah. and it just has worked out that we're able to maintain that. Yeah. And now we have Adam. We didn't have Adam when we first started. Right. And so it, it helps that he's able to uh, make us sound better. Right. Um, so what we else? don't so, lose connection we halfway don't. through an episode. That was very frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> lose our podcast. And what else do we want? So we have our list of topics. We select mm-hmm. them based on a few different things. If there's something going on in the it's time of year or something right. like that that we want to talk about. We talk we try to match up topics that might we might have to read some yeah. Book, books for with a topic that we don't have to read as much right. for. Do
1: you read all the books that we talk about? Yes. Yes. I read I I get that question all the time. Do people ask you that too? Oh, um, I have gotten that question, yeah. yes. And I think that I think they assume that maybe we're just reading like the synopses and then oh. pretending that we have read the books, but yeah. no, we read all the books. Yes, But I will say we don't like all the books that we talk about necessarily.
0: Yes. I try to pick books that I know, even if I personally didn't love mm-hmm. it, that it's either other people did, it's right. well-reviewed something. It's
1: Right, right. right. Yeah. And that's part of being a librarian. Right. You're not always going to love every book. right? And so you have to be able to think beyond your own taste. And right. so – so there's plenty of books. Like I always make a big distinction between books I don't like right. and books that are not good. Right. And those are very different things. So I, I can pretty easily talk about a book that I personally didn't like right. and have many times. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that doesn't mean that it wouldn't be to someone right. else's taste. So
0: right. well, and I think too what's the difference between how you and I approach this is often I'm pulling from books I've just read in the past. Mm-hmm. Like I look through the books that I've read right. and pick out the books that I liked or are appropriate and and slot them into the theme and use it as an opportunity to read books you want to read or have been meaning to read, right, right, often. So I think that's just, it's interesting the way we approach it too. I think that it's, I don't know what that says about us, but, and and occasionally I'll read, we have a topic coming up next, the next time we record Mm -hmm. that I'll have to read some for that Yeah, um, because it's a topic I wasn't. (laughs) well-read. <laughs> uh, but um, but generally, I just, I don't know. I've been reading for a long time. <laughs> yeah. So I go back through. <laughs> so maybe that's also why people think maybe we read the synopsis and haven't read the book. Sometimes it's been
1: so long since I yeah, read the book that's that I,
0: I do rely a lot on the synopsis right. to fill in my memories of what the book was about.
1: Right. And I have a pretty terrible memory when it comes to remembering I, I both my friends will make fun of me who are listening. They know who they are because <laughs> I'm so bad at mem- at remembering uh, movie quotes uh, and any plot of any movie, and it kind of applies to books too where I can remember the title and the author maybe uh, and basics, but like, I just read a book on uh, – I was out of town this weekend, and I read a book on the flight that I'm going to talk about at some point, I think in the next podcast, and I just had to look up a bunch <laughs> of things about it, and I read it like two days ago <laughs> because I just uh, – it's in one uh, eye and out the other. I yeah. don't
0: know that. <laughs> Sometimes I, I'll remember the storylines, but like characters' names. Yeah, would,
1: you know, I'll finish a book and be like,
0: "What was her name yeah. again? What was his name again?" Well,
1: in this case, it was a motivation. I, oh. I was like, "I know why they, I know, or I know that they did, did this, this so. but I can't remember the reason of right. why they had to do right. it this way." So that's fun. Um,
0: yeah. All right. So, anything else? We're hoping to continue on for a long yeah. time into the future. I would say. Yeah. We like doing it. Um, we a lot. like doing it. It's fun. It keeps us. It, it's. It. I read. I read things differently now. Mm-hmm. It's the same way I used to approach book club books mm-hmm. that I was reading. When I read books,
1: I am thinking more about. Well, how would I talk about this right. if I'm going to talk about it? Do you you do that too? Yeah. Or just just paying attention to what yeah. the big selling points are mm-hmm. on a book versus just plowing through it. Right. So. Right. Yeah.
0: It's All right. Well, a if anybody has thing. any questions about how we do things or why we did it. <laughs> uh, feel free to reach out to us and ask us, but we thought it might be fun to give you a little peek behind the scenes. Yeah. All right, let's get started with our summer reading preview. Okay.
1: I'm up first. Sure. Do
0: usually, you want to be up first? Well, I
1: usually am. You usually are. <laughs>
0: so, I thought <laughs> we were going to change things up at episode number 50. What? <laughs>
1: Oh no, let's not do that. Okay. All right. You go first, Dan. (laughs) Okay. So the first book I'll talk about is Magpie Murders by Anthony Horowitz, and it comes out on June 6th. And I think it's one of the most hyped books among librarians that I've I've ever heard about. And um, this is one I've read already, and I think it's completely um, living up to the hype. It's actually two separate mysteries that are woven into one book. So you kind of get the two for the price of one, really. It's about an editor named Susan Ryland who works at a small publishing company in London, and she's given the manuscript for the me- for the next novel from their star author named uh, Alan Conway. And he writes like Poirot style whodunit mysteries that are set in the 1950s, um, and they all take place in small English villages. So it's kind of a mashup of Poirot and, and Miss Marple in, in its um, character. So she she's reading this, and you and you get the manuscript in the in the uh, book so she she reads through the manuscript and then it just ends um with the last chapter being missing so so he basically says he knows who who committed the crime but then that's the end of it so she um she starts poking around to find out what happened to this missing chapter of the book and she um when she goes to her i think it's the the owner of the the publishing house he says that Alan had immediately after she has finished this, that he's just committed suicide. So there's um, this very strange tie to murder in her own life. And so she begins to comb through his life, uh, through Alan's life to find this lost chapter and to kind of figure out what happened to him and what led him to this decision. And she begins to think that it wasn't a suicide and that it's actually murder. So this has a very clever construct. Um, It's, it makes the reading experience feel extra satisfying because it has two solutions and um, this is an author who uh, he's he's written a lot of books and most of them are kind of spy thriller mm-hmm. kids books, but he's also the creator of Foils War and he wrote for the first season oh, of yeah the first season of Midsummer Murders. So he's um, he has serious mystery cred mm-hmm. and he obviously knows the genre really well. So it's this kind of awesome meta commentary on the mystery genre as a whole, and I adored it. So get your hands on this as fast as you can when it comes out. It's called Magpie Murders by Anthony Horowitz. Do you think it'll be a favorite of the year? Yes,
0: yes. for sure. I have to- I, I literally have it sitting on my nightstand. <laughs> I have not yet to get to it, though. All right, so my first one is The Alice Network by Kate Quinn. It comes out June 6th. This is historical fiction. It starts in 1947 with Charlie St. Clair, who is pregnant, unmarried, and about to be thrown out of a very proper family. Like, they live in maybe Massachusetts or somewhere like somewhere mm-hmm. in the northeast wealthy society kind yeah. of a family she's in this state partially because she was so depressed by the fact that her cousin Rose who she's grown up very close to has went missing in Nazi-occupied France during World War II and so she's clinging to the hope that Rose is still alive and just hasn't been able to get in contact with the family her parents decide they're going to send her to Europe to get her problem taken care mm-hmm. of. And instead of, of going where she's supposed to go, she goes to London in the hopes of tracking down Rose. She has a little bit of a clue of, of where she may have been. And so with a name, she decides she's going to start trying to track down where she ended up. So her search brings her to the doorstep of a woman named Ava Gardner, and this she's an older woman uh, who spends her days drunk and alone in this big crumbling house that she has. She's not the most friendly person when mm. uh, Charlie shows up at her front door. When Charlie mentions this name that she has um, that has some connection to Rose— something in Ava like kind of lights up in her that it's clear that she has a connection to this person as well. Um, and so they form a tenuous Alliance to try to get to the truth of where this person is of uh, that that Charlie knows of that she thinks is connected to Rose. The story then flashes back between 1915 and World War I and 1947, as the two are are trying to track this person down. And in 1915, Ava became a spy in World War I, and she was sent to France as part of a spy ring known as the Alice Network. Mm. And it was all these women, primarily, who most people thought that they couldn't be part of the war effort at all because they were women. <laughs> um, and so they were able to kind of get into places that nobody would suspect and do a lot of the spy work for England uh, during World War One. And uh, I have read this. Did mm-hmm. I, I don't think I said that yet. Um, I have read this. It was really good. If you liked The Nightingale or The Lilac Girls, I would say add it to your list. Uh, it comes out at earl, in early June. It would be a great vacation read because it's really absorbing. Once mm-hmm. you get into it, you want to find out. There's a little hint of a mystery because you're trying to track down Rose. You're trying to they they drop hints into what happened to Ava, you know her spying didn't turn out well, uh, and so little hints of how that ended up. Anyway, so and it all comes together at the end. Um, so that is the Alice Network by Kate Quinn. Oh, that sounds really good. It was good.
1: My next book is You'll Never Know, dear by Halle Efron. And wonderful name. Yes, <laughs> spelled differently than yours. Yes. It's, it, th- this also comes out on June 6th, and I especially wanted to include this because the author based her fictional town of Bon Secours on Beaufort, where our library is, is based. So um, we thought our local listeners would probably be extra okay. interested in knowing about this book. And Hallie Af- Efron actually came to town to do research last year for this book, and she did a great program for me. So it's really exciting to see the end result mm. of this, this. And you're trip.
0: mentioned in the acknowledgments. Yes,
1: <laughs> I am. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was going to die when I saw that. (laughs) I was so excited. I was super sick with strep throat and I read that and I just like fell on the ground with (laughs) happiness. It was so exciting. I felt like such a celebrity. (laughs) Librarian celebrity. Uh, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, So this is a psychological suspense novel about three generations of women whose lives have been deeply affected by the disappearance of a four-year-old girl named Janie Woodham. And this happened many years in the past when the book starts. Um, the, the primary person in the book, I would say is, is Liz, who is the sister of Janie and she was seven when, when she disappeared. And this event has really colored the way that she's raised her own daughter, Vanessa, who is now an adult in the book. And Liz's mother, Miss Sorrel is an accomplished doll maker and had created a doll for Janie that disappeared with her. And this has always been something that she's, she's kind of kept her eye open for, for clues towards. To what happened to the doll, or or has has, um, I think she places ads in the paper every year to see if anyone knows about the doll. So an anonymous woman arrives at their house, and she has a doll that she thinks is is this missing gift to her daughter. And this starts a series of, of events that um, answer questions, but endanger everyone's lives in the in the process. And I thought that it captured the feeling of Bufort really really well. It was really fun to see uh, place names that are not. Um, what they actually are in mm-hmm. in Beaufort that that she used in other ways to just make the book a little bit different and um she didn't want it to be she want she didn't want anyone to think that it was based on characters or people in the, that actually live in Beaufort so um so she changed things up and it was just a really fun um idea to to work with and I thought it was a great page turner um I really wanted to know what happened and dolls are creepy so totally I liked that part a lot and uh it's called you'll never know dear by Halle Efron
0: all right. My next one is The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. It comes out June 13th. And I've talked about at least one other Taylor Jenkins Reid book, possibly more in uh, during our two years right. <laughs> of, of podcast recording. This one is a, a bit different from what she usually writes. She usually writes these contemporary stories about kind of bittersweet love stories. And there's it's still very much in that vein, but this is actually... Uh, more of a historical story Mm -hmm. about this woman named Evelyn Hugo, who is an incredibly famous actress, and her career has spanned 50 years. But she's also equally well known for her salacious, uh, like tabloid fodder life. Um, She was married seven times to seven very different men, and she's never spoken to the press about... Her, any of the relationships, why they ended, anything like that. So, um, she decides that she's going to tell her story to a woman named Monique Grant, who is a magazine writer whose husband has just left her and she's sort of in this precarious position in her career. She doesn't know if she's going to, she basically feels like she's about to get fired from the magazine and is about to get fired, but then Evelyn singles her out, and she doesn't really know why at first. She has a sense of a specific article that she wrote. Um, Might be why Evelyn chose her, but out of all of the people who she could have confided in who could tell her story, she's very surprised to be the one selected. She jumps at the chance, obviously, to do this because here's this mysterious person who's never spoken before about these personal details of her life and now it's her chance. Um, So she goes to Evelyn's uh, Upper East Side apartment. Of course, it's this beautiful, Mm -hmm. lavish apartment and listens as she starts unraveling the real story behind all those tabloid stories. And it doesn't go in the direction that I expected it to go Mm -hmm. in. And it's all about being true to yourself and sort of the identity you present to other people versus who you are inside and, mm-hmm. and trying to match those things and all, and, and for both Monique and Evelyn, this is true. But it's also just kind of deliciously gossipy about movie making in the fifties <laughs> and sixties, which is really fun because that's a time you were sort of tied to, uh, um, I want to say a network. It's not a network for movie making. What's it called? Like the studio. A studio. Yeah. Sorry, studio. Um, and you know they could just put you in different movies right. and and let you go. If, that's such a
1: fascinating. I know. System. So there's a lot
0: of that that's I found fascinating. Yeah. Um, and then it's just like when I've talked about Taylor Jenkins Reid before. I've talked about it. she's really good with characters and moving stories, and this totally falls into that framework. So this is the Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid.
1: Uh, up next is People We Hate at the Wedding by Grant going to say ginder it might be gender it's g-i-n-d-e-r it comes out also june 6th i think all of my books so far come out june 6th this is about two american siblings named alice and paul who travel to london for their half sister's Eloise half sister eloise's wedding eloise is the product of their mother's first marriage to a dashing frenchman and she li- leads a completely different life than uh what alice and paul know she has uh she vacations in exclusive spots and she has rich friends and she's she's just very accomplished while Alice and Paul are in dead-end jobs and in dead-end relationships. So th- they know that the wedding will be full of elaborate and expensive hotels and resorts and country estates and Alice and Paul couldn't be more miserable to be there. So this promises to be dishy and full of snark and I think it will also explore complex family relationships when you love people, but kind of hate them at the same time Um, and how difficult those relationships can be to navigate. So this is pretty much all I want to read during the summer, this type of book, and I'm really looking forward to it. It's called People We Hate at the Wedding by Grant Ginder.
0: My next one is *Hunger: A Memoir of My Body* by Roxane Gay. It comes out June 13th. I'm so excited for this. Too. I know it sounds so good. So the first two books I talked about, I've read, but this one I have not read yet. Uh, it is um, so Roxane Gay. We've, I think we've, I'm fairly certain we've talked about before. She's yes. an author who's written both fiction and nonfiction. Mm-hmm. I've only ever read uh, a series of essays that she wrote, uh, or a book of essays she wrote called *Bad Feminist*. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which now that I'm talking, I think you spoke yeah. about that. Yes. And I found her writing to be really sharp and engaging mm-hmm. and uh, truthful. Like mm-hmm. she was saying things that I've thought before. So and she's
1: willing to make herself look not, not positive right? Yeah, right. For, for the
0: sake of the point. Exactly. So, yes, I like. exactly. That's a good way of putting it. Um, so this is a memoir about her life and her relationship to food and her body. So Roxanne Gay is what most people would consider overweight. She's, mm-hmm. I've only ever seen photos of her, but she seems like a tall, kind of broad Mm -hmm. woman and um, weighs more than is probably medically recommended. Mm -hmm. Um, She's a person who would need to buy two airline seats when she flies. She is daily harassed on Twitter and Mm -hmm. other social media platforms for her appearance. And this memoir talks about what in her life led her... To gain weight and what it really feels like to be in her body, so uh, it sounds even more insightful than Bad Feminist was. It's definitely more personal, yeah. I would say, and it sounds like a really raw look at both her individual experiences and what the what it's like to have expectations of society placed on people just to look what they think is normal. Right. I am somebody who I would like my body weight is would be considered. Acceptable by mm-hmm. society standards, so I think that this is something that will open my eyes a little bit mm-hmm. to to issues that she deals with that mm-hmm. I haven't had to. Which I always like in in nonfiction, especially.
1: Well, right. I, I guess in any book, you yeah. know,
0: to open open up your mind a little bit. So that is *Hunger: A Memoir of My Body* by Roxane Gay.
1: Have you gotten a copy of this? I think so. Oh, I don't. think I, I don't have know. One. I have a lot of advanced <laughs> copies on my Kindle. <laughs> Um, Next is The Prey of Gods by Nikki Drayden, and this comes out on June 13th, and it's a science fiction debut that I've heard nothing but enthusiastic gushing for. So I I normally am not really a science fiction person, but I just keep hearing about this book, and and people in my librarian circles talk about how across whatever genres they like, they just absolutely adore it. It's set in a version of South Africa that has personal robots and a booming economy thanks to technological advances like um, genetic engineering and renewable energy so that the future promises to be bright on all levels of society mm-hmm. but it's also this this version of south africa is also dealing with an art of artificial intelligence uprising and an ancient demigoddess who is preying on the blood of humans for her own power so kind of all over the place yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the only way that society can be saved is this random mix of characters that each have intriguing abilities I thought this sounded interesting because it it just come it sounds like everything comes from random places mm-hmm. and it doesn't necessarily flow the way that you would expect in a, a science fiction um, plot mm-hmm. and that sounded really exciting to me and sometimes those those can be big red flags when when things don't really make sense or things come from from left field but everyone that's read this says it all works well so oh. I'm excited for it and it's called The Prey of Gods by Nikki Draden
0: yeah that doesn't seem to me like something that you would be drawn to.
1: But But I'm willing to to be convinced.
0: Yes. My next one is The Windfall by Diksha Bazoo. It comes out June 27th. And it is about Mr. and Mrs. Jha, who for the last 30 years have lived in cramped apartments surrounded by gossipy neighbors and struggling to make ends meet. And after their son is accepted to business school in America, they are settling comfortably into their golden years when Mr. Jha receives a completely unexpected and large sum of money. And so they pick up and move from their housing complex in East Delhi to the fancy schmancy part of town. (laughs) Mr. John embraces the lifestyle of the wealthy completely. Like he's just all about spending his money. And he has one new neighbor that he, they're in this little bit of a competition to prove that they can afford anything. So Mm -hmm. it keeps escalating of what they ridiculous things they buy just to show how much money they have. Um, And then meanwhile, his wife uh, misses her old friends and neighbors and the way of life that that she used to have. And so she's just longing to go back to what she was, you know, the grass is always greener. Mm -hmm. She, when she didn't have money, she always wanted the lifestyle that she thought came with having a lot of money and now she just wants to go back to her old life. Uh, meanwhile, their son is in danger of failing out of school. So you have all these people sort of struggling with these achievements or yeah. what they thought that they wanted. Um It sounds like a really fun and clever read. I think perfect for summer reminds me a little bit of how oh, now I'm Like the Wangs versus the world. I think I talked about that at one point, which is like a road trip story of uh, people who were wealthy who then lost their wealth. This is sort of like the opposite of that. Um, And it is called Windfall by Dick Shaw Bazoo.
1: You hear that story. That's not necessarily a new story, but told in not New York City. Right, right, right. very fun. Um, Yeah, I thought that was fun too. A
0: different perspective.
1: Yeah. It has a very cool cover as well. It does. It has a
0: very pretty cover. Yeah.
1: Um, up next is The Witches of New York by Amy McKay and it comes out June, July eleventh. This is set in New York City in 1880 when two witches named Adelaide and Eleanor have been hiding their abilities. I can't tell from the from what I read whether they're they're very old and have lived through a lot of mm-hmm. things or if they are hiding just their if they're, you know, normal age. Mm-hmm. I I can't tell. We'll find out when I read this. Um so they've been hiding their abilities um, from the world, but they finally feel that they can live openly as witches. And so they provide palm readings and potions to the the high, high society ladies of Manhattan. But they're approached by a young woman named Beatrice who wants to learn their craft. And she um, seems to be doing well, and everything is is working between the three of them until she begins to hear voices and see things that no one else can see. So Adelaide and Eleanor have to decide whether Beatrice is using magic, if she's she's very gifted, or if she's actually going mad. And these decisions um, that they that they need to make about her force them to confront, confront the secrets of their own past. And I love witches, and I love Gilded Age New York. So you put them together, <laughs> and you have a very happy me. So I'm very excited to read this. It's The Witches of New York by Amy McKay.
0: Next up for me is Morningstar, Growing Up with Books by Anne Hood. Anne Hood is—oh, I'm sorry, it comes out August 1st. yes. Uh, Anne Hood is a novelist who has written a whole bunch of novels, um, and this is a, a memoir about how she came to love books and reading. And her last book was a novel, but it was about a book. Right, right. I haven't right. read it, but it was the book that changed.
1: Yeah, life. I don't know what it. Was. I can't remember the name of it. But book you're that right. Matters the most. Yes, yes, that yes, matters yes, yes, the yes. most is what it was called. Oh, anyway, you're I so good read it. at that. <laughs> My sister
0: has read it and loved it. So. Uh, This seems, I love a book about books. Mm -hmm. I love nonfiction books about books. So this is, this is, seems like it's a good combination of memoir, which I find interesting and great way to get more book suggestions, which (laughs) don't we all need more book suggestions. Not me.
1: (laughs) No, I don't really. I will take them. Yeah, I, I'm happy to get them, but do I need them? <laughs>
0: yeah. uh, so Anne Hood grew up in a mill town in Rhode Island and a household where um, she wasn't really encouraged to read. There weren't books around or anything like that, but she found escape and understanding in book, books and became a voracious reader. So I, I find that interesting. I was given as a child lots of opportunities <laughs> to read. So I'm curious, always curious to know how people who weren't encouraged to read, weren't surrounded right. by books. How do they, was it a librarian or a teacher? Who who put the book into their hand to start right. with or did they just stumble on them upon it themselves? So this seems like a great book that's going to have a lot of insight into how books form us into the adults that we become or the people that we become. Um, and it's called Morning Star, Growing Up With Books by Ann Hood. Very cool.
1: Um, my next book is Goodbye Vitamin by Rachel Kong and it comes out on July 11th, and this is a debut novel. It's about a young woman named Ruth who returns home to L.A. after her father Howard begins hanging pairs of his pants outside on the trees in their yard. And Howard is a prominent history professor, um, but he was recently, recently diagnosed with Alzheimer's and Ruth's mother Annie begs her to come home um, to help her as things are getting more and more out of hand and she just can't handle um, being a caretaker. So Ruth is in a rut in her own life and so she decides that This is a good way to, um, a good thing to dedicate herself to. So she tries to help her father through any means necessary. And this can take different forms like um, cooking bizarre foods that supposedly have dementia fighting properties um, or looking for anything that she can that will somehow trigger his memory and bring bring his his brain back to what it once was. But then Howard is let go from the university where he works. And so she and one of his former students take their efforts a step too far. And I'm so curious of what that step too far will be. I don't know what it is yet. Um, this looks like it has a comic tone, which, from the description, doesn't necessarily uh, come through. But yeah. it's it sounds bittersweet, but also also kind of funny at yeah. the same time. Which you don't always hear stories like this told in that way. And the author is a former editor at Lucky Peach, which is a um, very big deal culinary magazine oh, that yeah. now is ending in um, I think the fall. And it was it was kind of a groundbreaking culinary magazine, and so I, I have high hopes for the food elements in this book. I think she'll have interesting mm-hmm. things to say about that. It's called Goodbye Vitamin by Rachel Kong.
0: I almost did that one. I didn't even. Know we
1: always all, do very similar, or they have things where we're like,
0: "Dang, she got it, <laughs> <laughs> she got it before me." Uh, all right, my next one is How to Find Love in a Bookshop by Veronica Henry. Comes out August fifteenth. This is actually a book that was published in uh, England last year maybe 2016 or early 2017. So I have read a copy of it, but it wasn't an advanced copy. Oh, it was really? a book I bought through Book Depository, uh-huh. which is out of the UK. I I was buying something else and I saw this and I thought, oh, well, this sounds perfect. Yeah. It's <laughs> chiclet about finding love in a bookshop. So it's it's so cute, but it's I didn't realize it was going to be published in the United States. Yeah. Anyway, kind of cool. So it is about a woman named Amelia Nightingale and her father passes away. He had Owned this bookstore called Nightingale Books, which is uh beloved by this small town that it's located in. so now that he's passed away, Amelia has to decide what the fate of it will be she mm-hmm. has She has never really settled anywhere. she's sort of been traveling and she hasn't really kind of just settled down in any place mm-hmm. and so she's trying to decide what her future will look like the The regulars of the bookstore. Love this bookstore and it was a place that they would come and they would have these long conversations with her dad and he would recommend books and he was more interested in doing the chatting and the reading of good books and things like keeping up with the counting of mm-hmm. the books or, or things like that. So the, it's kind of on the brink of failure at, at this point. It can hold out for a few more months based on, on its, small income and and other things but she knows she has to make a serious decision. At the same time there's this developer who's building condos right behind the bookstore and he wants to buy the property so he can make a bigger parking lot for his condos. Um, And so she knows that She has this out, and it would give her money if she were to sell it, but she knows how disappointed her father would have Mm -hmm. been to lose if the bookstore closed. So this is the kind of book where you get to know all of the regular bookstore customers and their stories. At the same time, uh, Amelia's deciding what to do about the fate of of the bookshop, and as she's coming to have this fondness for the people in the bookstore. So I find British Chiclet to be really delightful. It has Mm -hmm. a different tone somehow than American writers. I'm not sure... How, I can't put my finger on what it is, but there's something I just find really satisfying about it. Um, and there's, there seems like a, a poignancy to it mm-hmm. that maybe yeah. isn't there
1: in American. It's chicken? interesting that, that you say that, like thinking of the chiclet I like, it's like Jenny Colgan. Mm-hmm. And then I think of chiclet I don't like, and it tends to be American. So I hadn't thought about that before.
0: Yeah. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure quite what it is, but I found this just to be utterly delightful. And it, it Any book, again, I'm going to go back. Any book about books or bookstores I'm going to be attracted to, but um, this one I just thought was really really a fun read. Um, It's called How to Find Love in a Bookshop by Veronica Henry. It comes out here August 15th, but if you just can't wait, you can get it on
1: Book Depository. (laughs) We are not sponsored by Book Depository. We are not. They are owned
0: by Amazon. They are doing fine on their
1: own.
0: (laughs) Or actually, you can get it through the Bluffton Library because I donated my copy. (laughs) So there's Good one to copy in all of South Carolina or
1: whatever. So cutting edge, ahead know. of the curve. Um, up next is The Half-Drowned King by Linnea Hartsteiger. It comes out on August 1st, and this is a Viking saga. And I love Vikings. I'm always up for a Viking story. <laughs> it's about a boy named Rogbald. I'm not going to try his last name. I didn't get enough sleep last night to try this last name. Um, He's growing up in Norway, and he's trying to protect his family after his father died in battle, and he expects to inherit all of his family's land when he comes of age. But there's an attempt on his life, and he realizes that his stepfather stepfather has betrayed him and that he'll have to fight to protect his birthright. In the meantime, he has a sister named Svanhild who is expected to marry well, and that's really her only purpose in life, but she has no interest in being a pawn for their stepfather, So she finds a chance to escape him, but that will only come through marrying her brother's archenemy. So this is based on a true story that's found in the the Icelandic sagas. And it reminds me quite a bit of Half a King, which I had Mm -hmm. talked about as being one of my favorite books of 2015. And I'm guessing they probably both are from the same source. Um, That book is by Joe Abercrombie. And um, that one was a fantasy novel and this one is not. So I think it will be very, very cool. I, I love books that look back on that era and and kind of talk about the way people actually lived versus the the hype of what we know or the, the little bits of information that we sort of pass mm-hmm. around in popular culture. And it's called The Half-Drowned King by Linnea Hartsyker.
0: All right. Next for me is Young Jane Young by Gabrielle Zevin. It comes out August 22nd. And she has written YA books and adult books, but she's probably best known for Storied Life of A.J. Fickery, mm-hmm. which... You were not a fan. I'm of. not. <laughs> uh, but I liked I thought it was a good book. And um, this is about a woman named Aviva Grossman, who is a young, ambitious intern for a Florida congressman. Uh, and she happens to have an affair with him. Ooh. And she is 20 years old uh, when this happens. She starts blogging about her experience as a congressional intern before she starts having the affair with mm-hmm. him. I should say that. Um, but because it's this anonymous blog. And in 2000-ish blog, it was like, 2000, 2001 timeframe, uh, blogs were not a thing really. So she was one of the first people. So she didn't even know if anybody would read it. She was just sort of a way to get thoughts like off her chest. Um, and so as happens, (laughs) their identities are revealed. Everybody finds out that, you know, everybody discovers her blog and realizes that they were having this affair and and the beloved congressman is forgiven because he stands up with his wife and everything's fine and Aviva takes the fall for this and everybody's saying what a terrible girl she is and all these things about tempting him and so this story looks at how how someone recovers from being a national punchline so what she decides to do is she's going to start over she moves to Maine she changes her name she becomes a wedding planner and she's just going to leave her life behind and she becomes a single mother. Um, And years later at the urging of some others in this town in Maine, she decides to run for political office. It's, I think it's mayor of her town. Mm -hmm. But of course, when she does that, her past comes back to haunt her as it is want to want to do it seems like it delves into the double standards of how we treat men versus women in Mm -hmm. these situations. Um, and it's also presented in a, a unique format. It includes emails. It includes perspectives of like, it starts with her mother's perspective and then, from her perspective, her daughter's perspective, the wife of the congressman's perspective. Mm-hmm. So you get all the different stories. And then the last portion of it is presented as a choose-your-own-adventure book, or, or one of the last portions. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always like, you know, the choose-your-own-adventure books from when you yeah. we were a kid. Yeah, it's, that sounds like fun. Yeah. Yeah, just funny. so it's an interesting story in a unique format, mm-hmm. and it sounds like a great summer read. So that's Young Jane Young by Gabrielle Zevin.
1: It's funny, even though I didn't like her last book, I when I saw the advanced copies of that, I went, ooh! <laughs> <laughs> Gotta read it. <laughs> I have to know. <laughs> Um, So my last book is See What I Have Done by Sarah Schmidt, and it comes out August 1st. This is another debut novel that reimagines the Lizzie Borden story, which I've always found kind of creepily fascinating Mm -hmm. in all of my mystery-loving self. Uh, So the facts are the same. Lizzie's father and stepmother are horrifically murdered in their home in Fall River, Massachusetts in August of 1892. And... This version of the story, um, it it examines the family before and after the murders, and it uses multiple perspectives to show what happened and and how it came about. Um, So in this novel, Lizzie is a deeply unreliable narrator, and the big picture of of what happened that day is slowly revealed throughout the story. So if there's ever a true crime story that was meant to be a psychological suspense novel, it's this one. It sounds like it's the exact same format as any other Girl on the Train, Gone Girl, just just all these these huge, um, uh, heavy hitters in the publishing world that that we, and we're very used to that format. But then to apply it to a real life crime story is a very cool idea, and I think that it's a an interesting take on the sometimes tired domestic thriller genre. And that's called See What I Have Done by Sarah Schmidt.
0: My last one is The Burning Girl by Clara Masood. It comes out August 29th, and Clara Masood has written a few books, but the only one I've read by her is The Woman Upstairs, which is a very polarizing book. Mm -hmm. It came out a few years ago, and it sparked a discussion about whether characters need to be likable in order for people to embrace their Mm stories. I don't remember exactly the kerfuffle, but basically she, the author, said, like, I don't care if you like my main character. Mm -hmm. It's not about that. And anyway, it just caused this to do that's another in the literary line
1: of of people saying well I didn't like the character so it's a bad book which is not true
0: right so I really loved that book um Mm -hmm. it focused I won't uh, this isn't about that book but I'll just say it focused on a single woman who is like in her late 30s early 40s and about how you don't really have a place Mm -hmm. in society if you are a single woman in your 30s and 40s because um generally it's you should be coupled up with children or anyway. So this whole thing. Anyway, I thought, I thought it was really good, but it had a, people either kind of loved it or hated mm-hmm. it, I think. So this one is about two teenage girls. So it's a, a younger set um, named Julia and Cassie, and they have been friends since preschool. They've always shared everything. And um, one of the things they've shared is their desire to escape their small town uh, in Massachusetts as soon as they can. However, um, when they enter adolescence, the differences between them start to show in a way they never did as children. From what I've read, it seems like one of the girls comes from a more privileged background and the other one doesn't. And so their cracks in their friendship begin to show and they start pulling away from each other. And one goes in a direction, like she's kind of wild and, mm. and getting into some trouble. It sounds like a really tense and insightful coming of age story. And I think when I was reading the description, it, it's all told like, in from the aftermath of it Ooh. like one of them saying you know i should have known yeah. what was going to happen so that just sounds intriguing I love that format <laughs> um, so that is the burning girl by claire massoud all right so that's those are our list for uh what to read this uh, what we're looking forward to reading this summer what you should be reading this summer we'll be right back with what we're reading this week Are you reading this week
1: i'm reading a castle in england by jamie rhodes and this is a graphic novel um which makes it a little bit outside of what i normally read even though a castle in england is definitely what i would normally read and it's something that i had asked a preview from the publisher because it sounded cool but it didn't work on my very basic level kindle <laughs> Um, so I emailed them and they said that they didn't have any print advance copies and I kind of forgot about it. But then they sent me a full bound copy, of, of which was very nice because I, had, nice. yeah, I hadn't re- re- even remembered it. And then suddenly it was on my desk and it was very nice of them. So it was very, very pleasant to see that they followed through. And it's a really cool concept for a book. It was um, sponsored by publicly funded arts commissions in the UK um, and I think the National Trust as well. And then the author spent five months living at Scotney Castle in Kent, which is in south southeast England, and he studied their archives and their collections, and then he chose five stories that he would adapt into a graphic novel, with each story being illustrated by a different emerging um, graphic artist or, or comic artist. So the stories range from the Middle Ages to the Edwardian era, which is the early 20th century. And even though they're all stories that are specific to this castle, they each touch on a broader theme that you'll see through British history. So there's a story that has a reformation, um, that takes place during the reformation. And there's a story that takes place. Um, uh, that's about the, the smuggling trade that was taking place in the 18th century. And it's a great example to me t- of how you can get into graphic novels. Um, if they're not really your thing, cause they're not always mine, but they I always feel overwhelmed by them. There's a, so many out there and so many don't appeal to me. But if you start with a topic that you're already interested in. So for me, I've spent a lot of time studying British history and this was a natural fit for me to, to be interested in. But um, if you like American history, you could read the March trilogy or if you're into like science, there's an Audubon um, graphic novel that just came out recently. So there's all these, there, it's such a big, uh, category or genre at this point that there's so many things that you can you can look into and there's really something for everyone within graphic novels and then once you find a topic you like maybe you find an artist that you you like what they did on that and so you start to follow their work and there's just all kinds of sort of paths that you can follow to to get into this genre if it's not really your thing um, there's really something for everyone there so I've I've very much enjoyed it it, it has kind of a, an interesting orange and gray color scheme, which I don't really see ever. Mm-hmm. So it, it feels a little different than anything that I've I've read before. Um, it's very delightful. It's called A Castle in England by Jamie Rhodes.
0: I've never heard of that. Uh, so what I'm reading is sort of cheating, but it's <laughs> The Breakdown by B.A. Paris, and it comes out July 18th. So this is what, <laughs> my way of sneaking in another book that's coming out this very summer. Very clever. I know. I'm so sneaky. This is, I talked about B.A. Paris a few episodes ago about the audiobook of... Behind Closed Doors that I listen to. Uh, So this is the upcoming book. It's about a woman named Cass who is driving home one night during a terrible thunderstorm. And she calls her husband just to let him know she's on her way. And he warns her not to take the shortcut to their house because it's too dangerous in a storm. It's dark and you could get flooded and so he tells her to take the main roads so she said yeah 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 sure but then as she's driving home she decides to go the shorter way because she really wants to get home and she comes across a woman who is sitting in her car on the side of the road and it's raining so hard she can't really make out who the woman is but she can see the woman looks at her and so she she pulls over in front thinking she needs help but because it's raining so hard she thought she thinks well the woman should get out of her car Mm -hmm. and come to me um or flash her headlights if she's okay, or something. like. And she, this woman doesn't. She just stays sitting in her car. So she sits there for a few minutes. She's wondering what's going on. And then she thinks, well, she probably would call for help if she needs help. And so she decides to just continue on home. When she gets home, she realizes that that's a dead zone for her cell phone. So the woman couldn't really Uh. have called for help. And so she's already feeling guilty about it. And then the next day, they find out that the woman in the car was murdered. And it becomes... Uh, she finds out that it's a woman that Cass actually knew. (gasps) She had met her one night and they'd had lunch and they had just started forming a friendship. And so the whole thing just seems very unsettling to her. Um, She thinks that, you know, they don't know who killed her. So she's worried that the killer is kind of out there lurking around her house. At the same time that all of this is going on and kind of contributing to this unsettling feeling, she's dealing with memory lapses. And her mother passed away um, at age 44 with early onset Alzheimer's or dementia is what they say. So she's really concerned. She's in her thirties and she's really concerned that she is developing this. And so, mm-hmm. cause she just keeps forgetting both big things and small things. Um, and so the combination of the fear of this murderer, not knowing what's going on and then not remembering things. is just the, the tension in the story just keeps ramping up and ramping up. And it was a really fun, fast paced read perfect for the summer yeah. as you sit by the pool and try to figure out what happens next and I have to say I figured out who the murderer was fairly early on and kind of the motive behind it and all of that and I still thought it was so fun to read it mm-hmm. didn't didn't really take anything away from the fact that I knew how it, yeah how it turned out um, so that is the breakdown by B.A. Paris
1: all right so let's go back and mention all of the books we talked about okay I talked about magpie murders by Anthony Horowitz you'll never know dear by Hallie Efron People We Hate at the Wedding by Grant Ginder, The Prey of Gods by Nikki Drayden, The Witches of New York by Amy McKay, Goodbye Vitamin by Rachel Kong, The Half-Drowned King by Linnea Hartziker, See What We Have Done by Sarah Schmidt, and what I read this week was A Castle in England by Jamie Rhodes.
0: All right, and I talked about The Alice Network by Kate Quinn, Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins-Reed, Hung, Hunger, A Memoir of My Body by Roxane Gay, The Windfall by Diksha Bazoo, A Morning Star, Growing Up with Books by Anne Hood, How to Find Love in a Bookshop by Veronica Henry, Young Jane Young by Gabrielle Zevin, the Burning Girl by Clara Massoud, and what I'm reading this week is The Breakdown by B.A. Paris. All right, so if you'd like to get in touch with us to give us feedback or a suggestion on a topic you'd like us to discuss, you can email us at wellreadpod at gmail.com, find us on our Facebook page or on Twitter at wellreadpodcast, Please rate and review us on iTunes or your other podcast provider of choice. Our podcast is engineered by Adam Farver. Our theme music is Kitten by Paddington Bear. We keep our show notes at BeaufortCountyLibrary.org slash well red, where you can find a listing of every book we talked about in this episode. Thank you all for listening for 50 episodes. Hopefully we'll be able to do 50 more. And happy reading!